No, no, way better, way better to do it. <laughs> in three, two, one. Across the continent, Ingle Radio, the podcast presented by the Hockey Shop, source for sports, Langley, that brand new location, thehockeyshop.com. We are on Vancouver Island. We're in the lower mainland of uh, BC and in Raleigh, North Carolina, where I come to you today during the course of a uh, five-game road trip for the Vegas Golden Knights. So we pause that to bring you a little bit of hockey talk uh, with uh, the goaltending around the National Hockey League. And gentlemen, it's been a couple of weeks since I've been with you. Is everything okay? Woody, you still haven't got the tooth fixed. Hutch, you're in the same location. It's like nothing's changed. I got to get across the ocean there and hang out with Woody for a few days. So a lot has happened. Um, I've been kicked out of the chair that I've been sitting in recently. But uh, welcome back, Darren. It's, it's your chair anytime you want it. But it was fun filling it for a little bit. What did you do with Woody when you guys hang out? Uh, what did we do? Well, of course, we went to the hockey shop to record some segments, including today's gear segment. And it's more fun when I'm there because I get to join in on making fun of Woody. So Cam and I double team him. And uh, that's always a good time. And what else did we do? Woody did a little bit of planning and uh, might have even gotten in a dog walk as well because, you know, we're just normal dudes. We we walked. Yeah. We walked, we walked the dog, uh, did not invite him into the hot tub. Uh, no offense, Hutch, but, uh, beyond that, we, we hung out, we had some fun we watched Maddie stop a few pucks with the Vancouver giants at practice. And yeah, it was, uh, it was a good couple of days. It was, we put our brains together between the two of us. We might have one brain and, uh, we did some, some good thinking for the future of in goal magazine and the in goal radio podcast where we're really, yeah, it was it's like a Mensa seminar. You, you had my head into that. We got a rock pile, so that's good. <laughs> Maybe stop some water flowing down uh, the way that it's raining right now on the West Coast, uh, up and down uh, the uh, the California coast, Oregon and BC, uh, all kinds of weather going on, winter storms uh, as you navigate that. Uh, uh, Hutch, uh, this, is, uh, this is an interesting time of the year, but I do want one crucial question. Okay. If you hang out with Woody, did you get a chance to see in person the elusive warm-up stick? I did, in fact, because we went to the rink to watch him play. We were a little bit late um, because we were watching another game. We didn't get to see the warm-up, but we did get to see the warm-up stick on the bench after the game. Definitely older, definitely mm -hmm. well-used. He had a nice, beautiful new stick he used for the game. May or may not have touched a puck while I was there, but uh, he definitely has a gamer stick and and the elusive warm up stick can be sold as new. <laughs> most of his equipment can. <laughs> most of my most of my equipment could have been sold as new after that particular game. Uh, we've got Marty Turco in our Sense Arena feature interview coming up uh, in just a little bit. It's a fantastic conversation that uh, Woody and the how would you describe him a goaltender. Uh, an evolutionary when it comes to the position, an entrepreneur in his post-hockey life. There's a whole lot going on with Marty Turco. Yeah, we got into all of that, like including the business, uh, the, uh, the beer, the brewery business that he runs now, and how the pressure of being a goaltender and life as a goaltender can prepare you for business life and some of those aspects. But mostly we talk puck handling. Because you're right, like Marty Turco changed the game. We could have arguments maybe over his career in terms of Hall of Fame numbers. And it's funny because you know, we didn't really talk about puck stopping that much, but like he had like seasons where he was like sub two goals against average. Like he had some ridiculously good seasons stopping the puck. But certainly 
if you're not putting him in the Hall of Fame, he should get a section in the Hall of Fame. Every goalie in today's game should thank Marty Turco because he invented a way to handle the puck that everyone uses now. And I think it's easy to think, well, somebody would have thought of it. Nobody had till that point. And, you know, like it's, it's remarkable when you think about the impact that has had. There's literally, like I can't think of a single goalie at the pro level that doesn't use it. Some might also go underhand, but everybody uses a Turco grip. And it, again, it's called the Turco grip because it didn't exist before him. So really cool story on how he developed it in college. But also, you know, when we get to the feature interview, a lot of great advice for coaches and goalies on how to develop better puck handlers. Yeah, it's a really neat conversation that'll have you thinking uh, about both how goaltenders handle themselves and how the position is uh, guided uh, through the minor hockey level right on up to to the professional level. And and, uh, a couple of little tips along the way on how to use space to your advantage. Uh, One in particular that uh, just uh, floored me when I was thinking about it, going, why didn't that cross my brain uh, before? Uh, If he's on the bubble for the Hockey Hall of Fame, where's Jonathan Quick, Hutch, in in your mind? As a two-time Stanley Cup champion, a Conn Smythe winner, uh, 700-plus games in the National Hockey League, uh, is he a a Hall of Famer for you? Well, yeah, I think he probably is, based on those credentials and being a leader of a, a pretty dominant franchise there for a while. And, and I think you also have to recognize that in his own way, he changed the game as well. Um, he might not own RVH, but it's uh, quite the same way that Marty Turco owns his grip. But he certainly was a huge force in popularizing uh, that as well. So you've got those those Stanley Cup and Conn Smythe credentials, and then you've also got the the mark that he left on the game. And of course, 16 years with the same franchise as well, right? So yeah, absolutely. He's on my uh, my Hall of Fame ballot if anybody ever gave me one, but uh, we know that's never going to happen. What about you, Woody? Well, it's a tough one. Like I know there's a statistical argument to be made against it, but I'm a big Hall guy. And like you said, not only did Quick win the two cups, um, I think there was a Con Smythe in there as well amongst yeah. the two cups, Darren. Uh, but you're right. Reverse VH in 2012, as much as it wasn't developed by Jonathan Quick, he didn't invent it. He was the guy that brought it to North America and sort of popularized it. Uh, that playoff run, that cup championship run, the way he started using it. Like literally by that summer, we were talking to coaches at the junior and NCAA level that were trying to teach it and integrate it that had never even considered it before that. So I think that's a great point Hutch brings up. It's something that gets overlooked um, as we talk about its origins in Sweden. But Jonathan Quick really was the first one to use it so effectively and because it was on the bright light and big stage of a Stanley Cup playoff run to the Cup final and ultimately a Cup championship, um, you know, I think it got adopted that much faster in the National Hockey League based on how many people saw him use it and use it successfully in 2012. Isn't he one of the most fun guys to watch play the game? I mean, you talk about nobody plays the game the same, but nobody's as different today as Jonathan Quick and just a blast to watch that athleticism. I didn't just randomly bring up his name. It's because he plays for the Golden Knights and was acquired at the deadline as insurance in case uh, they had one more injury uh, because Laurent Brassois is out. Logan Thompson is out. Uh, we know that uh, uh, Robin Leonard was not able to play this year and Aiden Hill had been sidelined for a couple of games and they were worried that if there was another injury, they wouldn't have uh, anybody with National Hockey League experience this year in the fold 
As it turns out, Hill is now on the sidelines back in Vegas during the five-game road trip, and Jonathan Quick has won his first two starts uh, with Vegas. It becomes a very important acquisition and a player that is now on five of his last six starts that kind of counters Woody some of the numbers that we've seen earlier this year. Yeah, no, I mean, this, the statistics haven't been flattering. Um, you know, the Kings are a good defensive team, at least statistically. And that's the thing, like you can't measure everything. So maybe there's something in the water there that we're missing, even as much detail as clear sight analytics goes into, because all the goalies there are sort of below expected, you know, but quicks numbers, you, know, you, you hear me talk about expected, above expected, below expected, 4% below expected on save percentage. And what that essentially amounts to is four more goals on every 100 shots. So that's pretty much every 25 shots you give up, at least this year with the Los Angeles Kings, Jonathan Quick was giving up a goal he shouldn't have, or one more than he should have. And that's pretty much one a game. And so, you know, it's hard to ignore those stats, and yet the pedigree, the experience, um, the swagger that Jonathan Quick brings to a team as competitive as the Vegas Golden Knights, it's hard for me to criticize that acquisition. As much as going into the deadline, I was looking at, you know, and here's another sort of signing around the deadline that we haven't talked about. Kevin Lankinen was a guy who was a pending unrestricted free agent with the Nashville Predators had made major strides and major kudos to Ben Vanderklok for the job he's done with him. Um, a guy who's won a world championship. He was a guy I thought maybe a team would go after, especially because he was only making 1.3 million, expiring UFA contract, real easy to fit that. But, but the Predators saw the value in Kevin Lankinen as well and re-sign him, extend him. And like you said, Darren, like, as much as we can look at the numbers and wonder whether it's going to work for Jonathan Quick with the Vegas Golden Knights, I think we all want to see it work. We all want to see him face the Kings in the playoffs because, boy, would that be a great story. And as Hutch said, it's just fun to watch him play. So more Jonathan Quick is not a bad thing. Uh, he goes behind another good team, and we get to watch that excitement. I don't think you can underestimate that swagger factor either because... If something were to happen, I mean, now now there's a little runway here until the playoffs, but imagine if that injury had occurred after one game in the first round of the playoffs, and then the team is looking around the room, who's going to take the ball and run with it now? Oh, we got a two-time Stanley Cup champion. We've got a guy who's won the Conn Smythe before. I think that gives that bit of security to the players. Forget the numbers, forget everything else, as opposed to looking around and seeing a guy who, excellent goaltender, but maybe has never been there and never done that. I think a few of the question marks probably disappear when he's the guy you're looking to. Well, and even last year, which I think the raw numbers pointed to being a bounce back were quick. The adjusted numbers weren't as flattering because the Kings really have defended well for a couple of years now. But then what did he do in the playoffs? Like the like experience matters, like the ability to manage big moments. He got the Kings to game seven against the Edmonton Oilers. So, you know, again, if I were to go pure analytics, it would be easy to poo-poo this trade. But I get it. I fully get it. And so to see what he did against the other night, Darren, obviously there you're there in person um, against the the Tampa Bay Lightning was really impressive stuff. And you know, let's see what ha I'm curious to see what happens. Uh, do not sleep on Loren Bressois if he can get back in time for the playoffs. The guy was exceptional. Um, I thought in the three games that he played, I thought he was exceptional. So um, we'll you know we'll see what happens there. But not a bad acquisition if you're if you're the Kings borderline like brilliant and i don't like to throw around that word because it it does just inch towards perfection he loren brassois was outstanding in those three games 
I was going to say, you don't usually have, you're, when you're talking to me and Hutch, you don't have to use the word mm. brilliant very often. So it's mm. nice to hear it every once in a while. Yeah, LB was exceptional. And, you know, I think, you know, you talked about it, Darren, like just how much better he felt since the hip surgery. And, and Jonas Corposalo with the Kings, right? Like a guy coming yeah. off hip surgery. We knew how good he could be, but all of a sudden his body works again and he's able to get into these positions he couldn't for a few years. And so, um, like I'm cheering, like the storyline is Jonathan Quick. And if he meets the Kings in the first round of the playoffs, my God, the narratives will be spectacular. But there's a big part of me that's also cheering for Loren Bressois and even Logan Thompson to get back and be healthy um, because it hasn't been an easy road. And both of those guys deserve opportunities as well because they've been so good. Uh, Bressois in a small sample, Thompson until the injury. So uh, fascinating times there. And you picked a really good team to be around from a goaltending perspective. Not to mention, really, I got to think this bodes well for you getting more practice time because everybody's hurt. Well, everybody's hurt, but uh, they had a practice the other day where I didn't have my gear on the road, and it was just one goaltender at practice, and it was Jonathan Quick going through everything, and you could just focus everything on him, and you're right, Hutch. Being able to just sit back and watch Jonathan Quick do his thing day in, day out uh, for our era is really cool to be able to focus in. Maybe you don't teach it that way as as a modern goaltending coach, but it is just fascinating to watch and i can't get enough of it and don't forget you might be shorthanded there but you're also shorthanded down the american league because our old friend freddie yep. brathwaite had to suit up the other day too didn't he he did and uh i love it every time freddie gets to to back up so much so that he got a new set of gear he replaced his old set that was grandfathered in right nice. but did but did he get a new mask or was he out there in an atlanta thrasher's bucket still i was teasing him about that at last time he got in there i'm like we maybe need to upgrade the atlanta thrasher's bucket buddy you're, you're right I, i'll have to check it out well you you know him as well as anybody Woody. Uh, i haven't that, i haven't text. yeah i gotta i gotta send a text there for sure hey listen technically you know it's funny to hear you say we don't teach what Jonathan Quick does, but there are a lot of things that Jonathan Quick does that do get taught. Um, you know, I know he's not a pure RVH guy. Like when we talk about using windows behind the net, he will actually off his right side, he will sort of pull his off the right post. He will pull yes. his left side inside the net. To I was watching this the other day. Look over his left shoulder and identify that window. And for goalies who aren't as tall and maybe don't have the length to just put a skate on each post and sit uh, in in what uh, you know I think Ian Clark calls it reverse tracking, double seal. For goalies that aren't tall enough to do that, they there are a lot of guys around the league that sort of call that the Jonathan Quick model, and they've added it to their game. I know Michael DiPietro, when he was here with the Canucks, like he just didn't have the physical capabilities to do it the other way. And so they rebuilt his post play, and that was one of the elements, the way Jonathan Quick plays off his right post and then circles inside the net to sort of look behind the net, knowing that he's got the short side sealed to his right, and because he has that vision on everything to his left, if a puck moves out that direction because he's got eyes on it, it's such a quick, simple push to go seal that side or to push out to the top of the crease if it goes low high. So, um, you know... Quickie does things a lot differently, but there are also a lot of teachable elements in there that, you know, kind of goes back to Linus Hallmark in our conversation last week that he's playing with a little backwards flow, even on straight shots. Like there are more than one ways to play this position. That's what I love about it. And Quickie is a great example in a lot of different aspects. Look out for the Quickie block too. Um, you know, we always think of a, of a blocking play for goalies to be both knees on the ice, arms by the side. 
but Quickie sort of has uh, coming down on his glove side where he will drop the right knee, lock that blocker in, and put the glove up almost like a, a VH, but out at the top of the crease. And I've had other goalies identified like, hey, that's a block. Like, that's not a reactive save. That's a block he's going into. But it's so different than what we're used to say to seeing um, that it just it can throw shooters right off. So I like a lot of what Jonathan Quick does. He just, for the last couple of years, hasn't been able to put it together consistently on a statistical basis. So um, cheering for more of that and more positive results for him in Vegas. I didn't know how many starts he would get. I thought it'd be between five or maybe 25 if he got in a roll and, uh, and other guys were hurt and he grabbed the ball. Uh, but he's going to get uh, right in the middle uh, for sure right now, building on top of uh, maybe the higher end with everybody else out and uh, nobody with National Hockey League experience behind him. Yuri Patera, by the way, has been called up from the Hendersons overnights to back him up. Uh, he is a Vaughn guy in Jonathan Quick, and that is part of our gear segment brought to you by The Hockey Shop, source for sports Langley, thehockeyshop.com. Woody? Yes, uh, lots of new stuff. Hodge got to come out and check it out. We had a, we had a fun time out there, and we, we've got sort of a new, but new to them, but it's an old name, so you're going to save some money here on some cool undergarments from Vaughn. Um, but we talked about it in the past as well. New stuff is arriving, not daily, but it's coming. Like there's new gear coming. Um, we've got customizers launching from different companies in the coming weeks. And remember, as these customizers launch, Bauer, CCM, the new Hyperlite, uh, the new Eflex 6, as these customizers launch, typically, even though you can't go to the store and buy it, once the customizer is live, you can order it. Where are you going to order it? I would suggest the hockey shop. Talk to Cam, thehockeyshop.com. You can go on the customizer, get what you want, get it all set up, and then order it through Cam or order it through anybody else at the hockey shop, thehockeyshop.com. And the key here is if you talk to Cam, because don't forget the gear is going to change a little bit. So yeah, you can go out there and design it, but you might not know how it functions. Cam's going to be able to tell you, hey, this is what they've changed. Um, maybe you need to adjust this size a little bit, or this is stiffer than it was in the past. Have you accounted for that in terms of how many inches you've added to your plus on the thigh rise? Or, hey, the boot is a little taller right now, so have you accounted for that before you place that custom order? The beauty of customizer launches is you can now get the gear. You can now place your order. But you want to make sure that when that gear arrives, it's not just sexy looking because you did a great job on the customizer after spending all weekend on it, but it actually fits your game. And the way to do that is to make sure you make those custom orders through somebody who knows the gear and will get to know your game as well as Cam and his crew do at the hockey shop and the hockey shop.com. Let them help you as we bulk up on the gear segment uh, brought to you by the hockey shop source for sports Langley, the hockey shop.com as Woody gets into the V9 Vaughn base layer with Cam. Welcome back to the Hockey Shop Source of Sports. I'm Cam. He's Kevin. And we are here to talk about Vaughn V9 padded undergarments. V9? V9. Hold on. Isn't Vaughn in V10 now? That's correct. So why am I wearing a V9 and we're debuting it here? We're not debuting it. We're letting everyone know we got them in stock and on sale. Almost like we planned that. I know. Always one step ahead of you, Kevin. Don't I was worry. just going to rip them for not having their lines match. So, why would you want padded shirt, 
couple cool features to it too as well. Why would you want the padded pant? Also a couple cool features to it. One, starting with the top. Say your chest is getting a little bit long in the tooth. You're getting some bruises through your arms. You're getting maybe dinged through the chest, uh, especially in the sternum plate, a little more than you would like. You're a soft, whiny baby like me and hate to feel pucks. Or you're that. No judgment here. Especially if you're trying to breathe a little bit of life and extend the lifetime of your chest. That's where I think it comes in the most. These padded shirts. So, Vaughn is strategically placed. These pads, which are removable, by the way, throughout the chest. Easy. Bicep and the forearm, so common places that we do get those stingers as well, as the ribs, another common place. So these are all removable? That's correct. So each foam pad is just held in into the shirt. It's just tucked in, so you can kind of mix, match, take it out, double up in an so area if, if I you want to. So if I don't like this one? You can take it out. I like that. So if you don't like this one? Versatility. Exactly. I can take it out. You can take it out. Exactly. Quick question. If I'm washing it, do I need to take them all out? No. What I would do, Macedon wash on delicate and then hang dry. Delicate, hang dry. Delicate and hang dry. Okay. So it's going to protect me a little more. It's going to give me a little more life in my chest protector. Uh, let's go to the pants. Little, little padding on the knees for landing. Uh, so I'm thinking if I'm landing on this padding, I'm about that much taller when I'm in the butterfly. So if you're not cheating, you're not trying. It's not even cheating. That's just an added benefit. So sock holders as well. As for me, I like to wear socks over top of my knee pads. Because he's special. No, that's personally the way I think you should be doing it, but that's okay. Sock holders, again, removable pads, strategically placed at the knee to give you that little bit of extra impact. Not a replacement for a knee pad. Got a little breathability down here too? Yes, you got a little breathability. We want to make sure that we're staying cool and you know, well-regulated for our temperature as we're going around. Padding for the inside of the thigh. Look at that style. A little Vaughn on the back of the leg. Our wonderful model, Kevin, here. Just an excellent, excellent Greek Adonis piece. Can I stop sucking my gut in? So, okay. So, padding helps with protection. Now, um, we've talked before about the Bauer uh, with the Poron. So, that, again, padding that isn't removable, but has a specialized impact absorbing foam. This is just more of a standard SD foam. That's correct. Okay, so no sort of special impact absorbing properties, but just courtesy of the extra padding and providing a little air gap between exactly. you and your protection, exactly. you're going to feel safer in this. Now, the big question. Clearly, I look bigger in it, even if Cam did catch me cheating on the bench press. But do goalies look bigger in their chesty while wearing this? We talk about being here to pump you up. A little bit of uh, padding on the shoulders will lift where that chest protector sits, just as I talk about being taller in the butterfly. Again, so it's here's not the fun cheating. stuff that you can do at home. All right. So, say you do want to be more puffed up in the shoulder area. Nothing stops you from taking that chest pad out, putting it up into the shoulders, and doubling it up. Hold on, you can fit two in there? You heard it here, folks. Come check out the V9 padded pants and padded shirt. You can check us out at www.thehockeyshop.com. Or in or, person, out here in Langley, yes. at the hockey shop. Or give me a call at 604-589-8299 or 1-800-567-7790. Don't worry, you don't need to model it like Kevin. Yeah, hopefully he does a better yeah. job sizing you than he did me in this medium, because i got to breathe soon. Oh, you wouldn't think I would do that to you on purpose. Let's go back.
Was that a real Askarov imitation? Were, were you pumping any iron or were you just simply going through the motions? You look good. Well, I mean, hey, first of all, if you're just listening to the podcast and you're wondering what the hell Darren's talking about, make sure you go check out the video. Um, because yes, I did channel my inner Yaroslav Askarov. I did pump a little net iron. And uh, I'm going to pretend the net weighs a lot more than it than it actually does. But I thought I, I thought I handled it pretty well, Hutch. There were there were multiple takes, Darren. So I that was a lot of reps. That was a lot of reps. That was a lot of you reps. Gotta hand it to you him, know, yeah. it, you know, like as I'm counting off, you know, 98, 99, 100. I mean, I had to get to 100 multiple times to get those takes right. So, you know, it wasn't just the shirt that was puffing up and making me look big. And, and, it, and it wasn't just some cheap road hockey net. It was like a middle of the road road hockey net he was pressing. Good for you. I'm proud oh. of you. Hey, listen, a creativity. Little, we had a little fun with that. We like to have fun when we're at the hockey shop, Source for Sports. But all jokes aside, like seriously, um, I may be a Bauer base layer guy. I like having that, um, the foam that's going to absorb a little impact. I like that material. Uh, this is, you know, just pretty much a standard SD foam. But I do like what Vaughn has done in terms of being able to move those plates around. And as you'll see, make sure you watch the YouTube video to see how much bigger you can get your chest protector looking, sitting up on top of your shoulders by bulking up those layers and adding a couple over top of the shoulders. Like, you know, in the, in the era of if you're not cheating, you're not trying, um, you can seriously alter how you look in the net using this Vaughn base layer. Like it is, and, and as I said, it may not have the protective properties of, the impact absorbing foam like a poron that a, that a bower has but let's be honest air gap matters so if you're creating an air gap between you and your chest protector you're creating more protection you're not going to feel the puck as much that way and if you can make yourself bigger as well like uh, i got to be honest with you i might have to switch and rebound control with that air gap too what which uh, i don't think we can discount well i wouldn't know what rebound control is but other people that actually know how to play can probably uh, benefit from it it's sort of like if you were in Any control, rebounds, there'd be no rebounds, Woody, but that's okay. Uh, it's a concept no. with which I'm not familiar. No, no, you guys are both wrong. Any rebound's a good rebound. That's control for me. Rebound at least to hit you, right? Is a rebound. Exactly. And and I count even the ones that I, that touch me. And if they if they happen to go in. Hey, I, I use the Vaughn base layer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I ordered it from the hockey shop, uh the hockeyshop.com. So I am uh a total door-to-door customer and user uh with the bond base layer and i love it 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 there is a an a, a protection that's the the functionality of it mm-hmm. but there's the added just confidence of of feeling bigger you you do you you feel a little bit bigger in it uh which which goes along with it so uh i, I enjoy it and i i won't play uh without it anymore uh, without that base layer yeah, Darren, uh, absolutely. My son, Maddie wears the Vaughn, uh, the top, not not the bottoms as well, and has for many years, has a couple of sets that he alternates, so there's always something fresh, uh, just like Woody likes everything fresh and clean, Matthew does as well. The other thing he uses it for, just to add to the discussion, is he wears it uh, as an official as well. He does a lot of refereeing and lining games, and, uh, and just finds that gives that little bit of extra protection for... Uh, when you can't quite get out of the way of things on the ice. So also makes you look big and strong when you've got that referee jersey on too. You know, you're used to wearing the big chesty and arms and uh, then you get out there in your ref jersey and you're not looking quite so buff. So you put on your Von Basler. As you saw in the video, if you've gone to see it, there's a lot of different times that that can come in handy. So yeah, 
big, I big, never big thought fence. of the, the official side of it. Yeah. That is a great, great little uh, multi-purpose to the unit. It is, and I'm sure there's probably a few other sports, actually, you could bring yeah. it to as well. So, Bobsled. Skeleton. Rugby. For sure. Rugby. Well, rugby? Yeah, yeah, I've seen rugby players wearing small little pads underneath. Oh, yeah. there you are. Changing a tire. Probably. Think Woody could change a tire? Doubt it. He'd call somebody. I changed a tire somewhat recently. Got a flat because there's construction around my house. Had an hour to play beer league and managed to get the spare on in time to make the beer league game. So there to you guys that think I'm incompetent. I think my family <laughs> placed the over under on on uh, whether me getting hurt, like how many times I would get hurt while changing the tire at two. Managed to keep it to zero and did it in under an hour. So I'm not quite as uh, incompetent. Well, okay. I am. boy, Woody. But Good job, Woody. Yeah. You'd have yeah, I'm proud of you. Go. You guys. I'm proud take, of you. Take that. By the way. Sent- you know what didn't need a base layer today? Let me tell you, folks. Wait till you get to see this beauty. E-Flex 6 chest protector. Had her out for a test drive today. Ooh, can't wait to bring that one to you. And I'm sure the hockey shop can't wait to bring it to you either. It's, uh, it's a nice little upgrade. And more news, folks. You saw on our, twi- on our Instagram feed the new Prospect NHL chest protector from CCM. And if you haven't, go check out our Instagram feed because it's the only place you're going to see a photo of this unit. Um, Heard some buzz today. That thing might be available at retail in the future too. Maybe not the near future, but in the future. So um, yeah, uh, some exciting stuff from CCM in terms of chest protectors. We talk about extra protection and undergarments. There's a couple that aren't going to need any uh, extra base layers to protect you. Some really nice looks from CCM coming. Looking forward to that. I want to get to Marty Turco in the conversation in the Sense Arena uh, feature interview uh, with the, the help from Sense Arena, Sense Arena VR Hutch. Sense Arena, who brings all our interviews to us. Uh, we're really thankful for the relationship with Sense Arena and what we have called many times the best off-ice tool for training goaltenders. Obviously, there's some incredible stuff you can do off-ice if uh, you know from a physical perspective, but if you're looking at the cognitive side, if you're looking at a way to make you a better on-ice goaltender in terms of reading the game and tracking shots and neurocognitive training, all those things are available in Sense Arena. And now, as I'm sure you know, it includes NHL shooters. So if you want a chance to see what it's like to face a National Hockey League shooter, Sense Arena is the place to go. It's virtual reality training for goaltenders. And now you can get it with a great deal they've got going on. I think they call it the three by three deal. You get a free 10 day trial if you do have the Oculus headset already. You can get the sleeves for attaching it to your goalie gloves as well, attaching the Oculus controllers to your goalie gloves. And you can also get free shipping. So sleeves, trial, shipping right now if you want to grab Sense Arena. It's a super time to be trying it because a lot of seasons are winding down and you're wondering what you're going to do to keep up with your goaltending. Grab it today. Use the code IGM50. That's like in goal mag 50. And you'll get a little bit more on top of that great deal. Check it out, Sensorina. How do you keep all that straight in your head when you're rattling through everything? Multiple takes. It only is straight no, in the editing. No, that's not true. You're making fun of yourself. You just fly through that. And I'm I'm amazed at, at how you keep it just so perfectly in it order. It is so kind of you to say that. But you make up and control these shows on the fly, and it's unbelievable. You sound like you've scripted this thing for three weeks ahead of time, <laughs> Darren, because I think you have... 
How many shows do you think you've done in your life between TV and radio and podcasts? How many episodes? Oh, that's a or good question. Or how many hours or? Oh, I don't know. That's that's a really good question. That's well, your research I'm, project I'm going to think week. about that. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to know. It's really I'll, cool. I'll go through like hours hours per week and and shows and that's a, I would I would hazard to to guess it uh, it's a lot. Let's start with how many um, years? More, what, more than 5 more than 5 or 6. What year did you first start? Oh, 1992 in TV. So way back when, 1992, Before that you were doing yeah. junior hockey and radio or oh, yeah. yeah. Radio. Yeah. What time did you when yeah, did you start a long that? Time ago, a long time ago. But I still I that that was 1990 and uh I still come up with names from that uh, Shane Knighty, former National yeah. Hockey League defenseman who I work with. We were talking about names from the past the other day that he played junior with that I covered. And it was like crazy how you remember all these guys, that names in your head and you go, Oh, I, I remember that guy with Swift Current. Uh, I remember that guy with Saskatoon. Uh, and just all the, the I'm, I'm getting going down a rabbit hole here, but uh, it's just wild. Rabbit holes. Who's the, who's the starting goaltender from the first game you ever broadcast? Oh, that was uh, Trevor Robbins was uh, a goaltender for the Saskatoon Blades uh, in that one. And he was, I can't remember who he was opposing in that game. And the second game that I did was my buddy Damon Kustra uh, was the goalie for the Saskatoon Blades. It was when I was uh, going to school in Saskatoon. So I do remember uh, the starting nice. goal center for those. Uh, and Trevor Robbins, uh, his son is now uh, aspiring hockey player, not a goaltender, uh, with the San Jose Sharks, same team that he was drafted by. So th- there you go. Uh, a couple of couple That's of good awesome. friends. I just happened to be good friends that, that got to start uh, way back when. This rabbit hole also brought exactly. to you by Exactly, and I have Trevor Robbins' game-used Brandon Wheat King combo mask uh, in my office back home. I bought that way back. Uh, oh, wow. Uh, okay, well, let's get into uh, talking about innovation and uh, and equipment and and making it up uh, on the fly and going down rabbit holes. Uh, Marty Turco is our feature interview this week. Uh, you've been waiting for this for a while, Woody. I thought you handled it really well, given that there's so many different areas to go with Marty, and you actually did an exceptional job holding off on the puck handling because we don't talk about Marty as a goaltender enough or as path enough because there's so much focus on how he played the puck and, and the innovation there. And uh, well done on this. Well, I, I appreciate that, Darren. I don't do much right, but if I got this right, that's good because Marty's story is one that's worth telling properly. As I said before, even even at the end of the interview, we, we talk about it like, I want to know more about his puck stopping philosophy, right? Like there's um, so much focus on the puck handling. We forget how successful he was stopping it too. So, um, But Turks was great. He was did a really nice job sort of, you know, again, just not breaking down how he invented the Turco grip, but, you know, how that changed things for him in terms of the way he saw the ice and then how they went about incorporating it into a system, how they went about making sure everybody was on the same page. And I think that um, there is a lot of really good advice in here that can be applied right down to youth hockey in terms of all the coaches tell us they want a good puck handling goalie. Well, you're going to have to invest. And goalies, you're going to have to invest in shooting the puck. You're going to have to do the work. Turco talks about, you know, we've all been at those practices where all of a sudden the other goalies, the power play drill or whatever is down at the other end and there's only one goalie needed. So what are you doing? Are you standing at center ice watching, waiting for your turn? Or are you grabbing some pucks and asking a defenseman to break out of the zone so you can hit him on the fly? Like there are things you can do to get better at it as a goaltender. And Turks does a great job of breaking down those lessons with us in this interview. 
But there are also things you can do as a coach. Are you giving your goalie those opportunities, those touches? Are you talking about the communication with the defense? So uh, there's so much great advice in here. Uh, it was a real pleasure to get the chance to talk to him. And like you, you'll hear us talk about the end. Like, I think there's more there. Like, I think there's, I like, I want to get Marty Turco on the ice and do a puck handling clinic with him because he hasn't played in forever. And yet I bet you he can still walk us through or even a pro reads with Marty Turco looking at four checks. How do you break this down as a puck handler? There's just, there's so much great advice in this interview and I can't wait for everyone to hear it. Oh, he's so much fun too. Uh, and he can imitate other goalies and styles. He's really good at that. Uh, I've done some projects with him uh, on that regard. And maybe the most important thing is good guy to sit down with and have a beer, share a pop with, as you'll find out on the feature interview brought to you by Sensorina, Sensorina VR on InGoal Radio, the podcast. Really excited to welcome to the InGoal Radio podcast. Long overdue to have this guy as a guest. 11 NHL seasons he played, had an incredible career, posted some incredible numbers. But I think for us goalies, above all else, beyond a great playing career, changed the game. Marty Turco changed how goalies handle the puck forever. Thanks for joining us, Marty. It's good to see you. Yeah, thanks, buddy. Yeah, you're right. It's been a long time. We've been chatting forever, so it's good to finally get connected, my man. Well, just catch us up a little bit. First of all, I want to, I mean, I want to get into the puck handling. I want to get into the, you know, the origins of the Turco grip, um, how you would teach puck handling today, different parts of your career. But first of all, catch us up now, working with the Dallas Stars co-owner of Kingsville Brewery. You guys just opened a new location at an airport down there. Walk me through life on the business side. Yeah. I don't want to take up all the time. You know, we're here to talk hockey, but, uh, well, hey, be been... beer works too. <laughs> yes. Beer, beer works. Even though it, it, it's a young person's game, uh, beer does work. And you know, the beer, beer side of it simply, you know, not just cause we crushed a few beers back in the day, but you know, there's such an affliction for Canada, beautiful place, and a lot of great things came out of it, hockey being one. Um, you know, to bring the best of Canada down to uh, down to Texas, you know, I think that just kind of was something that resonated. So uh, we did it. It was an underserved place. We made great beers, and um, um, it's been fun to share our quality product down here in Texas, and we really look forward to expanding. And so... Uh, we started, we built a brewery in Canada. We'll um, start raising some money and uh, getting after some marketing initiatives and start making the beer here in Texas. But uh, it's it's been fun. It's been fun to work with my cousin, Mark Muzzin, um, his, you know, his team, and and just uh, you know, have a great staff. And um, we're very fortunate to have good people. So that too. And you know, my wife and I lived here. We're very fortunate, Kev, to play here for 10 years straight um, right here in Dallas for the Stars. And, you know, that just cemented us uh, as this as home base uh you know united states all the kids are born and raised here we've lived here for 22 three years all but two of it to you know finish off the career but you know this is home for the kids it's home for us and and uh, we do love it here so the stars opened their arms when i retired to work for them i work with the ceo brad alberts uh, i get to work with the foundation make a a great uh, impact on our community um you know like we did as players but now get to you know, kind of uh, shape policy and 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 raise money and, and give it to make sure it goes to the, you know, great organizations. And we do our own programming as well. So uh, stay, staying busy, staying busy, staying the least. Sounds like a couple, it. Girl, 
yeah, a couple of girls in college. Uh, one little guy left at home. He's 14, a hockey player. So um, we feel like we're, we're in a great place and um, we, we, we love living in Texas. I got to ask if hockey player, goalie, or uh, was he smarter than that? He's smarter than that. He's, he's, he's a little D, he's a little D man. So he's still got the defensive side to him, but um, he's uh, he's over there trying to do his best to kill McCarr moves every day. Well, I, I, I like I said, I want to get to the goaltending, but I do got to ask because I feel like we run into so many people, you know, not not all ex NHLers, but we run into so many people where goaltending they played up to a high level and then they have a ton of success in other avenues of life. I almost feel like we need to start a separate podcast. How goaltending and the mindset and the mental strength that required is required to play the position at a high level lends itself to success elsewhere. Like, have you found lessons in goaltending, whether it's perseverance, patience that have paid off on the business side as you start to explore these other avenues and these other opportunities, whether it's the brewery or with the stars? Uh, well, the, the answer is yes, of course. Right. And I think a lot of it, you know, a lot of it's just sports based and, and then hockey centric and, uh, you know, but to your question very specifically to, to goaltending. And, um, you know, I think the correlation between success, uh, off ice, off crease, whatever you want to call it, there's, there's an inherent amount of confidence, you know, that goes to, to goaltenders, um, at, 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 you know, most high levels and, you know, kind of that buck start stops here attitude, um, is, is just very important, right? Like that's a lot of pressure on goaltenders, you know, at the highest levels at any level too, man. Some of the most pressure I felt, you know, was in college in Michigan or air Canada cup in Canada. Like it was, um, but those, those are the moments you live for and you, you, you don't get to certain places if you, if you don't want it. Right. And you, and you dream about it and you just can't wait to get there. And then, you know, even when you had a bad day, bad month, or, you know, if you, even if you had a bad year statistically or something, it's like, man, okay. Like I believe in myself. I know what I can do. I've done it already. And I plan to do it again. And you just kind of get back on the horse. And so that, that stuff really does perpetuates itself over at the business where, you know, you got to trust your teammates, um, you know, like, like two on ones, uh, you got to communicate, you know, like playing the puck that we'll get into, um and and you know you got to be able to put yourself out there right and not that you recommend taking chances in business all the time but uh someone's got to make the call make the decision and and really know that if if something happens you you, you take the blame and you move on you, you kind of realize you know what what do you got to do to get better and um you know circle the wagons whether it's you know watching video talking to your goalie coach working with your your D-man or your, you know, your power penalty kill unit. Um, it's, it's very, very, very similar uh, on in the, to translate to the business side. I, I, I will say, though, I, I prefer having the brain off. <laughs> you know, 100 mile an hour pucks coming at you, right? I, I do prefer that because, um, you know, I just trusted myself so much playing the game that, uh, and it was fun, even though, hey, I mean, once in a while, I just, you got to look at the coach and say, hey, they're pretty good shooters too, you know. Okay, like they they can they they can score goals, and uh, you know, beer beer wise, or being an entrepreneur, um, there's other good beers out there. There's only only so much shelf space. There's only sixty four jobs in NHL that goalies want. There's only so many beers that you know people are going to put on the shelves, and so competition is just so similar. I love it, um, but again, I think it's really important for me that the fact that I get to work with my cousin, his family. Um, the fact that we have employees, staff, you know, help kicks the sheets off uh, in the morning and uh, getting a chance to make a difference for the Dallas Stars and our community, working with a great staff here as well. Um, 
this feels good, you know. So there's there's so many so much correlation between the two. It uh, I try I try not to talk about it all the time, but of course I just revert back to hockey, sports, goaltending, and uh, and sometimes golf, but uh, usually doesn't go over their heads. Well, I I just I love the correlations, and like I said, we've we've run into so many people that have success outside of hockey that talk about being goaltenders in the past, and so it's uh, maybe. The idea for another day, another podcast, um, you know, sort of how those two things translate. Well, let's go to let's go to goaltending. And before we get to puck handling and, and the turco grip and all that, like uh, teases, I'm I'm loading this with teases. But how did it start for you? Growing up, I believe, in Sault Ste. Marie, like where did the passion for this position start and what were the beginnings like for you? Because I know, you know, not drafted in the OHL, playing junior B at 17. Um, you know, there's probably a lot of kids that would look at that path and, and not see it leading to the heights it did to you. Well, it's not the, uh, it's not the path, you know, for the fan of heart. Um, you know, and there's a reason why, you know, February, January, March, April babies make it right. And, and I'm an August kid. I was just a late bloomer mentally, physically and skill wise too. So, um, it's, it's one to say, never give up on your dream. You know, the, the writing wasn't on the wall for me when I got I got drafted the stars when I was 18. So that kind of probably left a little bit of bug in my ear that, you know, I, someone believes in me. Let me what's going on here. And then I went to school in Michigan with Red Berenson and, and a, just a talented pool of players with just national championship aspiration and just oozing competition on a daily basis that. Man, if you, if you couldn't get better while you're while you're playing there, you know some, some, something is wrong. And 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 then also, you know, I got the opportunity from Red to play almost every game. And so, uh, certainly not that the, the the road, you know, the path, you know, taken by most. But um, you know, the Sioux the Sioux is just littered with talent. You know, the playing boot hockey at recess, you'd be like, these guys are pretty good, and. You know, you go play in the pond, you play in the outdoor rink, and, you know, you never know what kind of game you're going to get in. You don't know if you're going to be the best player on the ice or you're going to be the worst. And you got to bring your lunch pail. And, uh, man, I, I just I look back thinking I just had so much opportunity that my parents gave me, uh, my family, my, my friends, and just the two to go play a lot of hockey. And I still, I mean, I know for a fact that I played more with a sky over my head than I did with, her, with the lights on, and, and that's a lot of hockey for me, but growing up, that's where the skill really came in, not just, you know, stopping pucks, but be able to play the puck. I played, mo I played out most of the time. I, I, I love, you know, want to be part of the action, but obviously goaltending, you know, your majority of the skills talk about stopping pucks, right? It's not, it's not the entirety of it, but it's definitely a big part of it. If you don't do that well, then the rest of it doesn't matter. <laughs> You're not going to see the light of day. So the, the two, the two was great, man. Uh, being a goaltender, I started, they asked me when I was nine and then 10 was full time. And I was fortunate enough to get uh, the, the very famed 35 from Sault Ste. Marie, Tonyo's number. And, and even though I wasn't a fan of Tony's, because as, as I started remembering hockey games and Hockey Night Canada, he was ending his career. And so didn't really watch him growing up. But uh, we all knew that that number 35 was coveted. And uh, man, I got to wear that almost my whole lifetime as a goalie. And um, getting a chance to coach Chicago Blackhawks to near the end of my career and not be able to wear 35 because of the reason why I was wearing it was hanging in the rafters. Um, I would really tell you, Kev, like what a really awesome twist of fate for me and then have beers with them. You know, um, we passed away here a couple of years ago, but um, to have some beers with them being in Chicago, it was like a, 
I didn't know it was a dream come true until one day I realized I was living a dream. And um, I just, I, I, just I, I loved every opportunity we had to just to play the game of hockey. And it's been really great to me. And, and uh, goaltending obviously is a unique way to do it. And um, I just had very fortunate opportunities along the way of, from Red, Berenson. I mean, even, I mean, all so many Stu, Stu, Stu ones, but, you know, Red, um, even in the minors here. And then my first two years pro, we had back-to-back cup runs and winning one in 99, witnessing that stuff, practicing with the guys for two months straight. And then getting a chance to back up Eddie here in Dallas after that, man, like it was, uh, it, it was a really unique experience and uh, one that I know that I, that I earned, but I also got some breaks along the way. But if you don't know when those breaks are coming, so the lesson is just one foot in front of the other and, and give yourself the best opportunity. Be just be, you be as good as you can be. And uh, you never know who's watching. And, and that's kind of the way I left it out there on the ice every day. And, and in the gym at that matter, I was uh, a dedicated soldier. Okay, so to go to the puck handling, because I know it started at Michigan where you won two NCAA championships. Can you walk us through how that started? Like, like where did where did that where did where was the first time you experimented with it? What were you thinking? Where did the Turco grip originate? And could, well, we'll start with that. I think it's an interesting story because you know it wasn't sitting in a you know in the lab in science class thinking, hey, you know, physics. Even though I love science, like. Hey, if I did this and, you know, it was, it, it was, it was just by, it was by mistake really. And it boiled out of frustration. And so uh, the reason why I wasn't a good puck player in high school, um, a, you know, never bought my own equipment, had heavy wood sticks. I just wasn't strong enough. And um, I couldn't snap the puck. Like my, I saw Mike Torture did it for later cup back in, I want to say 1992. Uh, I remember he came to town with Drake Barahowski. I was like, and they're only a couple years older than me. I was like, these guys are man at torches, ripping it off the glass. I was like, I want to do that. And um, as I slowly could rip it off the glass and, and get some muscle on the puck and, and move it to my defenseman and be a puck playing goalie, which, you know, was, um, it wasn't exceptional to the rest of the guys uh, changing the grip really changed things. And so simply the drill in practice, what we were doing was, uh, you know, we're dumping it in and, you know, on my right-hand side, so, you know, my blocker side and as you go to stop the puck, right, you're, you know, your backhand and, you know, with a 13, 13 and a half degree live stick with the, with the catch glove, right? Like you just, there's only so much power you can get and, and it's, you got to stop it on the toe of your stick. And, you know, a couple, I was, you know, go through the toe, right? I got no leverage and then it just, you know, wandered off. I'd go get it, but the drill had to keep going. And then one time I just got so mad. I was just like, I just turned my hand over, as you can imagine, right? Like upright here to nice, relaxed, athletic style. And I just jammed it into, into the board, stopped it. And I turned my hand back over to play it the way we only ever did play it. And then uh, we introduced four checkers to the drill. And one time I jammed it in there because I knew I had to stop it. And I didn't have time to flip my hand over. And I actually passed it uh, behind the net to the defenseman. And it was a smooth, clean, little sauce. And I felt very natural doing it. And I was like, boom, that's when the light bulb went on. And then soon as I did it again, one time and had to go on the strong side and I could get it on the glass and I hadn't even practiced it yet. It was all in just one first drill. And I got a puck on the glass that was flat, you know, not like a lift or anything like that. I was like, man, I am, I, I'm onto something. And, and that just changed it. It changed, it changed my career, changed my life. And now what you, I mean, every goalie in the world, other than a few, stodgy old guys are uh you know play the turco grip and um, it's 
very, very proud to uh, see, see everybody around the world doing it. I'll tell you, it's, uh, you know, I don't have an ego anymore, but it, it just makes me proud. Like I like a proud parent, to be honest. Well, I was going to ask you, like, could you have ever imagined back in those days to see it now? And, and, you know, how much do you take that pride in? Like, like, you know, it's no exaggeration, you know, not to pump the tires too hard here, Marty, but like you changed the game for goaltending and it will live forever. Yeah. And to be honest, I haven't come up with a, you know, a similarity in, in another sport to, you know, pitch the way they do it or the way someone throws a football or, you know, just, I, I haven't found it yet that, you know, what someone else did something that everybody else is now doing, you know, and, I know there's equipment that's out there, but uh, just a certain style. And, you know, it is pretty neat. I, I mean, I really don't, I, do, I don't care. I, I would care if someone probably uh, said somebody else did it first, but, um, you know, I'm not out there on a campaign at all uh, trying to, you know. We'll, we'll straight, take care of the campaign. <laughs> we'll, take care, we'll take care of the campaign if there's any, if there's any issues, they come to us. Um, how did you, like from there on, to get so good at it, um, at least the shooting part of it. How'd you work through that? Was it just practice and reps? And, and like you said, you knew right away you were onto something to get from the ability to move it, to move it as well as you did. And I know part of that is a large part of that is reads and how you saw the game, but just the skill part of it. How did you develop that from, from that first discovery? There, there, there's only one way. It's just practice. Um, you know, I probably, my knob, my, this, the curve of my stick, it's always going to evolve, uh, you know, with your career and, you know, your skill set and your experience, but it certainly changed because, you know, turning your hand over, you know, has a lot to do with who's, who's in this position today that they put the hand over, put you in just a so much more athletic and relaxed position and not to talk schematics or anything, but you know, my dispersion rate, you know, went from, you know, here and just in the camera screen to like, you know, there. And I just didn't have to pass it. You know, if I started my motion, I was limited. And then all of a sudden I was not me. Now I could like look at the winger and I could no look at to the centerman if I had any skill set. But uh, the most important thing, and I think this goes to your question is, you know, if you're not good at it, um, if you can't make a tape to tape pass, you can't make a good read, you know, then, then it's a moot point. You know, your, your coaches, your defensemen, your players are not going to trust you. And, and then that's when you get, that's when you get in trouble. Um, I do wish coaches would work with goalies a lot more just to, to earn that trust and see what kind of you got. Um, but the reason why we came really good and in pre-analytics, um, our communication level was off the chart and we worked on it in practice. And so I was getting reps by myself before practice, after practice, while the plays at the other end, just passing, shooting, backhanding, just working on it, just little dump plays where I can, you know, I, I had so much confidence of guys trying to seal the wall that, you know, I could time and beat them, you know, or, or where the holes were, but hit those holes because of, you know, that grip. I had so much uh, dexterity added to the position, you know, that I could place the puck so well. And then I had a flatter pass too. Um, I always thought I could get it higher with the traditional way because of leverage, but um, I, I was so much more accurate and flatter and, uh, you know, that really helped. And then once you had a backhand too, right? Like I, I can't, I could tell you more times than not. And I'd say more like 80 to 90% of the time, if we're um, talking about another goaltender playing the puck, you know, it's like, they're going to the forehand, right? Like just make sure you make sure you get to that side and, and me having a really efficient, crisp backhand, you know, I, I mean, I use my body to shield myself, which is a trapezoid and that's a whole nother conversation, but, um, 
you know, once I had a backhand, then that just screwed them, right? They either was going to play me or they're going to play the, the forward. And and we did. Listen, we wanted in our defensive hands. They're better players than we were, especially when you got Sador, Hatcher, Maffichuk, Zuboff, Daly, and Robida, and Clem, and uh, a lot of guys that they had over the great defensemen over the years. I, they'd rather have the puck, but, you know, they're getting barreled down on. And if we can save them from five to 50 hits a year each, and um and make a good clean play and 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 pull a guy towards us. You know, the advantage was on our side. We just knew noticed we were playing less than our zone and more in theirs. And had a lot to do with the confidence that we had playing the puck as goalies and uh, that grip really changed things. Any any practices, any types of practice that you like that you could recommend that might even apply, I mean, at younger levels? Because you're right. We hear right down to the youth level that every coach wants a goalie that can play the puck, but so few of them invest in a goalie playing the puck, whether it's practice time or letting them make mistakes by doing it in games, as opposed to chaining them to the net by criticizing the first time they do make one. Yeah. Um, before we get into the drills, just to, to, to add on to the point here is, yep. you know, the first, first thing goalies should be doing is get their butt out there as fast as they can practicing, you know, their crossovers or shuffles, their reads, um, getting out there, getting the puck, pulling it off the boards, getting it set up for the defense in the wheel. And even if you're not a puck playing goaltender, you should take a lot of pride in pulling it off there. And so your defenseman can have their head up the ice. And, you know, we took a lot of pride in putting the pucks in front of our defensemen, whether it was on their backhand or forehand. So their eyes, as soon as they prowl the puck, they're already looking up. Um, you know, if they're facing the end boards, they got to turn around. And that takes, you know, it takes a split second, but those, those, Seconds certainly add up over time. And and so that that's the first thing that you want your goaltenders to do is get there, get it off the wall, get your butt, get out of the way, and get back in that. And you know, that's a perf- that's the perfect storm right there. But as you know, there's a lot of speed and guys coming through the neutral zone and tip plays, you know, a long pass and someone dumps it in and they're gonna beat there to the puck. The goalie can get there. And now how how do you move it and how you put it in a at least in a spot that your teammates can have an advantage if you versus if you didn't play the puck. And so those are what I encourage coaches is just, you know, talking through those simple nuances of like, okay, what is, what's the basic minimum here that we want from you? And let's work at it. Right. And let's, how do we, how do you, how do you become an a, a advantageous goaltender? You know, so when you're on the ice, you know, the chances of us winning goes up and has nothing to do with you even stopping the puck. And that's a whole, you know, another, you know, story. So um, I think first and foremost, I think that's kind of gets lost in shovel. You just like, you some people just are thinking, hey, it's you. You can play the puck, or you can't. You know, like no, you can be really good at at at, at winning and uh, getting the puck in, in your defenseman or even your forward, putting it in front of them, give it to them, Chris, where they want it. You know, I mean, I I knew who was on the ice all the time. I knew what hands they were. I knew what their voices sounded like. I knew, you know, what their what their um, faults were. Right? If you know, some guys didn't like it on the backhand. And especially for me or some people didn't, you know, I was always surprised at my D man. And so that's why I worked hard in practice. Cause I'm like, Hey, if you think you're not getting it, you're probably getting it. Cause I'm not, I'm not trying to sell you. I'm selling them on, you know, on the grapefruit, but I'm passing you the orange. Like, so just be ready. And, you know, even if you want to be feet in front of the goal line to back me up in front of the net, but just make sure you're ready to pounce in that puck that I'm going to send over to your side. And so, you know, we really worked our butts off. Rick Wilson was a great steward of, of ours as a defensive coach. Um, and it really gave us me a lot of leeway. Uh, Belfort kind of carved that path a little bit, but you know, young coaches out there to young goaltenders. So I just give them a chance, you know, talk to them what you want. And then 
and then give them the opportunity to practice, right? You know, when you're skating and you see these goalies laboring down the ice a few times and you know, in the end of practice, you want your, your players to be in shape. Well, trust me, your goalies are in shape. If, if, if most practices I've seen at youth level, you know, they're taking a beat down. Give them a chance to pass the puck with each other. You know, get an assistant coach down there behind the net. And the, and the drills can be just simply like making sure you know your angles, how you bounce it off the end boards and uh, changing it uh, from one side to the other, getting out in front of the goal line, banking it to the other side. That's just you, you're taking a hit away from your partner. You're banking it so the other guys are going to get back there and pick it up. Um, you know, when we had Corey Crawford in Chicago for his rookie year, you know, we did a lot of little drills of just putting the net, you know, right up against the end board and just saucing it over the net because you had a little bit of the arch to the back post, right, and the center post. And so there was room behind it. And so you're just like, hey, the, you, you got to have the confidence. and You know you can get it by the guy. And, um, and you know, and then – and I, I wish I was good enough where I could look down or look up and make a pass like I would playing forward or D, but I, I couldn't. And so, which was so important for goaltenders and even defensemen, anybody really, but before you get the puck, you look and you scan what's out there, right? And, and that was one of my advantages, which is not an advantage. I just took that advantage. To, so when I got the puck, I always had a, a dumb down play. Like I knew worst case, I'm just, I'm rimming this thing. Worst case, I'm dumping it to the other side. Worst case, I'm chipping it back in this corner and getting back in the net. And once I picked my head up, if I saw something that I hoped I saw, then I can make a play. But I always had an out. And that's because I, I look before as I was scrambling, right? And I'm looking and I get the puck and I'm, they might be changing. And that's my time. I might be bombing one, but it's also maybe like there might be two guys. And even though I want to make a great play, the great play is, you know, switching sides over here to Zuboff and get it on his stick and let him do his work. And so. Uh, a little all over the map there, but, um, you know, just get, great points. just get out there and play with it. Um, coaches, you know, that we look, everybody looks up to you and our practice is usually shitty. So if you can, if, if you can help your goalies out dinner practice or before practice and just, and throw one in on them, right? Like instead of dumping it in the corners and telling your defenseman to wheel, like dump it to them and just, and watch your defenseman. I mean, just take pride in you know, receiving the puck and putting it in a nice spot so your D-man can wheel and, and, you know, and take the net with their head up, not not get it on end or not put it behind them or not put it too far in front of them and just give them never advantage. And so I, I took so much pride in all that, that all those little things added up to, you know, when you had the skill set to play the puck well and um, and had trust with from your coaches and, and your and your teammates that um, a combination of it went really well for us over the years. Reads, uh, develop them. Obviously, experience and game experience is a big part of that. Did you use video? Like, did you the way some people might look at an opposing power play and and break it down as part of a pre scout before a game as a goalie? Were you using it to look at forechecks and and where the outlets would be in the same manner? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, you know, hockey is a game of copycat, but it's also a game of tendencies, right? And some players are just they're circlers. Some players are just willing to take a chance uh, and, and, and therefore that some teams are like that as well. Right. And, you know, the Oilers would, they were just so darn stubborn. They'd always do a two man four check and they would just, we would just crush those guys. You know, they'd come in too and they would be one on me, one of the defensemen be open, one on each D man and the winger would be open or, you know, and I was like, we had so much fun playing, playing against them. So we, yeah, we, 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 we use a little advantage, uh, watching some video, but at the end of the day, it always comes down to execution, right? No matter where you are and, and, you know, talking about, um, goaltending to business, right. Um, 
it's the number one thing I hear. It's like great idea, great skill, but until you execute, um, that's that's the most important thing at the end of the day. We talked about the grip. How did how did things evolve over time? You talked about jamming it into the boards. Uh, I remember we were on the ice with Mike Smith, who is a disciple of yours from his time in Dallas and speaks fondly of all the lessons you taught him about handling the puck, especially in the early going when he didn't want to. Um, but he had, he had where he was putting the hand on top of the stick and jamming it in as opposed to having it wrapped like uh, having that blocker sort of wrapped around the handle. He actually you sort of jammed on it from the top. How did things evolve for you over time? You, if you experimented to the point of discovering the Turco grip, I'm guessing there were little modifications over the years that occurred as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, one of the, one of the things that got to be, you know, an advantage was, you know, you could almost pretend like you're freezing it and, you know, I got the glove worked in really well where I could even grab it around the paddle. And so I was barely holding it above where I'd hold it normally to make saves. Uh, and just, you know, slide my hand up a little bit and be able to play it off of one knee. And, you know, it's just the element of surprise, too. And then, you know, I watched over the career, you know, my hand at times would slide higher up the shaft. It wouldn't be where my blocker hand would be normally um, with the grip. Um, it started moving up more lacrosse style and, you know, would have a little little more, you know, reach and a whip to it. And, um it was harder for back, but as a backhand, you definitely had to get a little bit lower because it just, you know, you need your, your body weight over top of it. But, um, you know, we we're, we we're playing with it so often. And, you know, Mike and I would be on the ice before games until Gary kicked us off. But having guys like Mike and Dan Ellis and Jason Bikashua, um, Johan Hedberg, too, even before those guys, um, these guys were all good athletes and good puck players. And so I was out there winging it. They wanted to do it, too, and learn. And and uh, I just good have a good partner to to do it. and. Yeah, I'd be standing there. I'd just be saucing pucks to guys standing in line, and they'd be saucing it back. And and you know, you build a rapport with guys too. Just seeing, hey man, they're like, Madonna would be like, this guy's better passer than half our D man. You know, and I'm like, well, you can't say that. You're not giving them. You're, you're killing their confidence. It's not true. But uh, I could probably land it flatter than a lot of those guys. But uh, you know, the job at the end of the day, and this is when I get a chance to speak in businesses and corporations now, like. Um, I, I get to use the puck playing part of it a lot. And I say, you know, I, I looked at hockey, my job is winning. Right. And, and sometimes when I ask everybody, I'm like, well, what's the goalie do? And they're like, well, they stop the puck. And I'm like, well, they do. If you stop it bad poorly. It's, it's really bad for your team. If you stop it great, um, that's awesome for your team. But if you do things just in order to win and uh, puck playing to me, you know, became an advocate for myself, pushed it, worked hard at it. Uh, push my teammates and my partners to be really good at it too. Cause I didn't, I don't want partners coming in here and, and I didn't, I mean, I didn't want to play every game. I mean, I did, but I, you know, when they're out there, I still want to win. And, you know, I don't want our change game to change because, you know, they're not confidence isn't as high with them, with our, with our defensemen. So we worked our butts off and, um, you know, we, we played the win and uh, being, being working my butt off uh, on and off the ice for, to move the puck efficiently like that, you know, to me, that's, that's what separates, you know, you from the next person and a chance to play in one place for 10 years. I think moving the puck like this had a lot to do with it. Okay. So what do you think? Is there a little party that wishes maybe we'd have been ahead on the technology side with the sticks when you were playing? Like when you watch these guys, they've got their one pieces and the, and the composite sticks as goalies, 
dialed in to the same degree, maybe not quite like players, but we're seeing guys with like specialized kick points and, you know, like the exact same stick every time. And they, I mean, they throw it around the, le- I mean, we saw Linus Allmark's goal. Like that thing was launched. A little jealousy that you didn't have that type of technology while you were playing? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Very, very, very jealous. I definitely, at the end of my career here in Dallas, had a, had a one piece, the first, one of the first one pieces, right? They always want to send me sticks. And, and it was probably just a, a little bit of, it was probably just a little bit of, um, it was too stiff, you know, and it took so long for them to, to make it that I'm like, oh, I got to go back to my three-piece stick. And, and you know, the, the thing with the three-piece stick, right, is like, even though it was awesome, it was light, it was cheap for a team, they're happy. I was ordering, you know, a dozen every two weeks. They didn't mind it. Um, you know, the thickness, the thickness of the bottom, the thickness of where I held it, the thickness where I held my top of my hand, thickness of the, you know, which changed the flex of the stick. I mean, I literally have to change my, 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 my scope of my, you know, of my puck playing based on the batch of stick that I got. And then every once in a while, I'm like, listen, I can't change my scope enough to work with this piece of crap. And <laughs> I was shaving it. I was doing stuff. The curve would come differently. And, and I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm probably better than I even get credit for it because I'm, I got to change it to every batch that I get from these guys. And I might get a morning, morning batch. I might get a Friday afternoon batch when they have like four or six Molson X's in them. And, <laughs> and uh, I'd be like, whatever, you know, they, I was just happy. I got sticks. I had to pay for them. And uh, every once in a while, if I didn't like it, that's, we'd send them back and we'd get some new ones in. But um, I am very, I am very jealous. And the first time I got one, as I was saying, it was just a little, it was just a little too stiff. I'm like, man, imagine having the same stick every day. This would be amazing. But that never happened for me. Yeah, what do you like? What do you make? Well, did you watch all marks like that? Is oh, that yeah. does that rank up there with some of the best we've ever seen? I mean, I I got I was blessed. I happened to be in the building, and as soon as he got it and chucked it, I could not believe where it landed. Like almost at the hash marks at the other end, and I, like I thought of you because it landed so flat, yeah. and you always made sure it landed so flat. Yeah, you you do your best. You know, guys with just straight open curves like Smitty and um, and the Moose. You know, there's always landed with a skip because they just they had a shoot to theirs, and I still had a little curve to mine, and and I could get the toe on it a little bit more, so I could get mine flatter. Uh, I mean, those guys can launch it, but man, he he did. I was really proud, and it's probably more impressive than most because it wasn't just the perfect storm; it was it was to the right, so to the left, and he had a he had a turn efficiently, get it on a stick and fire it, and um, you know, I've seen those a glove grab those or a stick knocked down in the air. But uh, man, he he sent that thing for for uh, for a launch. He's having him and his team are having a magical year. I wasn't surprised who who did it. But um, I'm just you know when 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 you see that kind of stuff, or you just see a nice pass, and, and someone may comment on Hockey Night or you know down here at TNT and ESPN, it's like I literally just like think to my head like you're welcome once in a while comes out okay it comes out loud you know i was like you're welcome walk by to you i'm like you're welcome <laughs> love it love it love it hey uh, i've taken up way too much of your time but i didn't want to just go on puck handling you ought to i mean some of the numbers you posted down there in dallas like a couple sub sub 2.0 goals against average set a record one year uh for goals against average like the success you guys had down there how'd your style evolve over the years well, actually i guess let's go right back to first few years in dallas like you got to learn from and back up a legend in, in mm-hmm. El Belfort. Was that experience like, and how did your game evolve from there? Stopping the puck. We focused so much on passing it, but you stopped a lot of pucks too. And we're ex- exceptional in that regard. 
Yeah, you know, we were very fortunate. I, I didn't play game one, Kev, till I was 25 years old. So I was I was around the block a few times. And even then, when I was 25 years old, my my form was no form, right? Like, I was more of the hashtag school than anybody, right? Like, art of surprise and poke checks and barrel rolls and still stacking pads. And, and yeah, we were, make, we were making butterflies, but it was... Um, you know, I was, I was, I was between that era of like, I didn't get any French style, you know, blocking coaching, um, but didn't want it either. You know, I had great feet and great hands and was an athlete, used small equipment for upper body pieces. So I could wanted to feel it. Right. I want to know where the puck was, or this in me on me or what direction was going, because I, I still even tell young guys, like, if you're not watching the puck, you're dead, right? Like the best in the world are watching the puck. And um, if you, you got to find it, you got to track it, you got to see it. And so that, that was where my game was at. Um, I had Andy Moog as my first goalie coach, uh, in Dallas, you know, and, um, I mean, we had Rick St. Croix before that, but we, we, we had, we had Andy and Andy was like, listen, my job is just to get you there and you take over. Like, I can't tell you to make saves. You're going to make a save, you know, same shot, probably three different saves, you know, in the same, in the same period, but it's just it's what you feel. And I, and my game was all based on feel and who was on the ice and who's coming from what direction and what hand they were. And, um, wasn't much that really surprised me. And, and honestly, I probably had a better career or track record versus good players just because they were shoot it cleaner, faster, but more accurate. And that story they were telling with their body and stick would, you know, that, that was my job. My job was reading that book, reading that story that they were telling. And so the lesser player or player with a less accurate or consistent shot, you know, um, it was harder. So my, my style really uh you know the, what what i what i remember what i think of as my evolution is i just got from super crazy quick feet all over the map really high backing in fast to just toning it down between you know 07 to the end of my career got a lot more efficient uh trusted myself and just you know moved as little as i had to and try to get there early um ready for the next move and just stayed low and, and watched the pocket and so for me i Spent a lot of time real low uh, in my squat. Um, found quicker, lower my eyes were to the ice that easier it was to, to to track the puck. But I also was, you know, explosive from that position. And you know, I got a little bit. I, I got a little bit of training at the end. You know, um, you know, Chicago would learn a few things. Uh, didn't see the light of day for the second half of the season. Played in Red Bull. Had a really cool young French goalie coach there. Taught me some nuances, but. You know, that that game's not for me, you know, A, B, C, D. Um, you know, as I said earlier, I, I do enjoy having the brain off, but that brain off comes from a lot of practice, a lot of hard work, trusting yourself, making mistakes and being like, all right, not today. And and, and probably just as important for myself anyway, the time I spend in the gym to be healthy majority of my career, uh, to feel good, to feel strong, not just in the first, second, but the third period. And then first overtime, second, third, fourth, even one time in the fifth overtime um, to feel good, strong, give my teammates a chance to win. That's really all I cared about. You know, looking back, was there a few things I wish I'd known then than I, that I do now? Yeah, heck yeah, of course, right? It would made my game a little a little easier, but uh, uh, no regrets from this guy. And um, it was a lot of fun. Uh, left it all out there. And um, actually, to your point, I, I, left, I still leave it out there with the, the way everybody plays it today. I love it. I love it. We're going to wrap there. I think there. I, I almost want one more question because the way you read the game, I'm wondering if we're losing some of that because A, B, C, D gets taught at such a young age. Do we lose some of that instinctual? 
but that was the perfect ending. So Marty, why don't we save that for another day down the road? It took me way too long to catch it. We're 207 episodes in here before I catch up with you on the Ingo Radio Podcast. As annoying as I am, I, I, I want to make a promise that it's not going to be another 200 plus before we catch up again, because I really enjoyed this and I know our audience will too. So thank you so much. No, no, appreciate you, Kev. And like, like we say at Michigan, for those who wait, you know, champions are made. So uh, it was it was worth the wait, but man, I look forward to doing it again. Honestly, we've got uh, so much more to talk about. Uh, I, I love your show. So it was an honor to be on it, buddy. Uh, best to you. And thank you so much for those kind words. All right, Marty, take care. All right, bud. See you, Cap. Usually it's us saying we got, we got to get him back on. We got to have uh, another episode with that particular guest. Love it when when Marty's the one saying, we we got to do this again. We, we've we only scratched the surface with this and, and not like we aren't going to uh, follow up on that with Turco. A couple of references, Air Canada Cup, that's the National Midget Championship uh, way back when. Uh, the Pure Later Cup was National Bantam or Western Canadian, uh, or Eastern uh, Canadian Bantam Championships. That took me back to my, uh, my childhood. Uh, that was great. But the part that jumped out at me was when he was in Chicago and he talked about backing the net up against the boards and flipping pucks over the back of the net and trying to avoid the mesh that, that slides up to the, to the back bar and taking advantage. If, if you can do that, what well, that's another foot that you can gain uh, of, of angles uh, for, for making a pass, that's pretty incredible that he would consciously think about using that uh, to his advantage when playing the puck. That's next level stuff. Well, and then what would you expect anything different from the guy who invented the grip that changed the game yeah. for goalies, right? Like that's, you know, and it's, it's a good lesson too. Like we tend to gravitate towards certain things being staples of the position. Um, and again, we can make the comparison to Linus Hallmark to hold set and square. Well, Linus isn't set on purpose. He's square, but he drifts. Like there are things happening in the game that might be counterintuitive at the time. So don't be afraid to experiment. Don't be, don't be afraid to try different things. Um, Turco changed the game by trying different things. And I'm curious to sort of see what's next for goalies, but a really good lesson about, you know, yeah, we're all trying to sort of fit in that box sometimes, but sometimes being outside the box has, has real benefits too. And especially in a position where how many times have we said it, there's no one way to do this. He was a hybrid too. The the way he played, not not your flat out butterfly guy. No, it'd be interesting to see him, sort of in contrast today, right? A little bit like maybe Jonathan yeah. Quick is contrast the way guys are playing now. Um, it probably didn't seem quite as as strong in that respect. But now, if I think if we look back, it would. Guys, one of the things that really stood out for me, you know, just as a coach who works with some some goaltenders and and as a parent. Um, was a lot of the the simple messages in that that maybe we overlook because we see him as this guy who can just bomb it and can make some incredible plays. But there were some great simple tips in there. You know, for example, if you're one of those goaltenders whose coach won't let you do much more than set the puck up behind the net, there was great detail in there about how you do that and become great at that. Know what hand that guy's yeah. coming in on so you set it in the right place. Will it be a backhand pickup? Will it be a forehand pickup? What can you do to make your defenseman's life easier so he can just wheel, she can just keep rolling without having to look down and find that puck? A very simple play with detail and perfection can make a huge difference. And then the other one that really stood out was get out with speed, 
even at the junior A level, I see goaltenders who don't get out with speed. Um, drives me crazy, you know, a little bit like a winger who stands on the half wall and waits for the puck to trickle towards them as the four checkers barreling in on them and they don't just skate to the puck. That's how I feel about goaltenders who think they should leave the net with the right speed so they just meet the puck at the exact time behind the net or something. Get out there quick, scan the ice. So you have a plan when you're going to pick it up, both a plan A and a plan B. I felt like he was an NFL quarterback sort of checking down wow. through his yeah, reads that's a great as he point. was describing it, right? But but that idea of having your backup plan so that you can then, instead of just going out there and looking and wondering what you're going to do. So, and, and you know, the fact that he knew every guy who was on the ice, what their hand was, what they sounded like. There's a lot of precision in detail. It's not just about being able to fire you know, that great bomb to the far blue line. Loved listening to all Next of it. Next time you talk to him, I, I want the background on his skating, how he became such an incredible skater, because he, he was by far the best skater uh, in the National Hockey League at his position when he played. Well, I think he talked a little bit, too, about, uh, you know, playing out when he was younger. He, he talked about yeah. crossovers, right? Didn't he talk a little bit about doing crossovers mm -hmm. as a goaltender? Yep. So, obviously, the gears changed since then. He might not be able to do it quite as easily in the stiffer pads of today, but... Um, you know, just that mobility and the importance, I, I think Hutch made a great point, uh, just the simple lessons as much as we want to complicate it. And it's funny because Hutch, you talk about bombing it, uh, and he could chuck it with the best of them. But as he talked about as well, like the sticks didn't allow him to do what some of these guys are able to do today. Like they didn't have, mm -hmm. um, the flex and the consistency, he would get a different batch of wood sticks. And every time he did, he had to change the way he played because the flexes yeah. would be different on him. You know, what side of the fort, what side of the mountain did they cut that tree down today on? And that changes how your stick is with each batch, right? So I would have loved to have seen him with a modern composite. And, and as he talked about a little bit there, like where you can really dial in kick points and flexes and, you know, some of the, some of the consistency he would have had in his game because his equipment would have been more consistent. What do we have going on at uh, Ingle right now, Hutch? Uh, all kinds of great stuff at Ingle. And I can tell you from our little chit chats over in Vancouver this week that there's uh, a whole lot more coming as well. But uh, one of the coolest ones that just went up um, a couple days ago is uh, UC Soros explaining to Kevin in the locker room um, about why he uses not one, not two, but three different gloves. Uh, when he's out there, I don't mean goalie gloves. I mean, batting gloves, golf gloves. He's got a whole assortment of things in his kit bag and he talks it through uh, with Woody. So you can understand what he's up to and maybe how one of those might fit your game. Uh, and then we we've talked about the fact that it was sort of Boston Bruins week recently as well, where we've had a couple of different uh, pro reads now with Linus Allmark. And I just love the work that he does there. Uh, just like Marty wants to have another podcast with Kevin, uh, Linus wanted to have a few more pro reads with him. That's one of the things I just loved. He uh, he got the one more question in there. So, uh, and then the other one that uh, I'm not sure we brought up last week on the show or not, but a, a great mental game piece with Thatcher Demko talking about pregame anxiety. And he used the word anxiety. It wasn't uh, wasn't something we did to dramatize it. And he was very open, very honest, and and talked about some great tips for dealing with it and and how he's made himself a better goaltender as a result. And I even shared one of them with my wife about, you know, what you can do to help yourself with better sleep when things are are sort of piling up on your mind. So uh, there's there's great stuff there for the whole family. Um, check it out. There's a lot more coming in, in the next little bit here as well. Over at InGoal, we would love to have you be an InGoal member. And as we said before, it's less than 50 bucks and it will make you a better goaltender. So uh, get over there right now. I know what I'm doing right now. 
I got, I got the night uh, off getting ready for a game tomorrow in Raleigh. I'm going over to Ingle and I, I'm really looking forward to this UC Soros conversation and, uh, and then going down the, the path of the Allmark and anxiety. Everybody deals with it. Well, if you got some tools that yeah. can help you out, Thatcher, thank you very much. Uh, I appreciate this. You guys mm-hmm. filled my calendar today. We sent you down a rabbit hole. That's what we do. You did. Is uh, are you okay over there? Yeah, the, in uh, in Vancouver. Yeah, there's, I may have had a close encounter with the mouse, but I'm keeping a close eye on the bugger. He's not getting any closer to me. <laughs> just, just, just if if he didn't mention it to everybody, he is not at the Ingoal Home Office. That's there are, not where he. There had are the no mice at the Ingoal Home Office. Trust me on that one. I'd have there's screaming me, teenage daughters right right about now if that was the case. There's parts of me that they'd be calming you down, yeah, buddy. I, I yearn for the day that we put out the promo with video of the three of us talking with these three uh, boxes uh, going back and forth and the different looks. Uh, I love it when Woody starts to uh, explain things by going through the action the way he was earlier uh, today. Uh, but him reacting to the possibility of a face-to-face with a rodent was spectacular. Uh, we, we had to cut that part out. But it was really good. The facial expression. I thought he was yawning at first. Hutch knew exactly what was going on. And we were both uh, fascinated uh, with with the reaction from tough guy Woody. Not tough guy at all. Does not like rodents, even small ones. Like somebody probably would have considered this thing cute. It was tiny. But if it came another step near me, it was getting squashed. Really, you would you would do it because you no, don't have anything no, other be, than a I'd microphone be, in your hand. No, he wouldn't. He'd run. Yeah, I, would, I he don't want to get run. that close to it. It's a dirty little critter. I I don't think you're squishing it. I think you're dropping the microphone and you're running out. And then Quite you're probably. asking us, "Did you guys see it touch the microphone?" Because I won't touch the microphone after that. There's a good chance you're right there. <laughs> Thanks for listening to In Goal Radio, the podcast. I appreciate Marty Turco for stopping by. One of the best ever, and uh, buy his beer because that's really good too. And uh, Cam over at the hockey shop, source for Sports Surrey, uh, Langley, Langley, not often that I've made that mistake, but it's over at Langley and uh, the hockey shop.com. Uh, good goaltending. We'll talk to you next week, right back here. <laughs>